I want to bring in our first guest. Wayne Kaufman joins us from Phoenix Financial Services. Wayne, welcome. We started off the show talking about the focus being on the Fed today. And can you talk to us a little bit about how it's not just the rate hike, 75 or 100 basis points, but also the dot plot as well as the economic forecast? Because we all know we can't do 75 basis points forever. Good morning. And uh, I guess everybody knows this is the most important Fed meeting in the history of the planet, okay? Um, that's the hype about it. And uh, that's until we have the next one, because it just <laughs> seems that in this environment, every Fed meeting is the most important meeting ever. So I, I sense uh, a, a hint of sarcasm in your voice there. <laughs> okay, I didn't hide it. I didn't hide it that well. Didn't hide it that well. So, um, you know, last week's CPI report caused a complete change in uh, the way investors view inflation. Those who are still clinging to the hope of uh, that the old transitory comments by the Fed would somehow turn out to be correct, I think they were finally replaced by everybody realizing we're in an environment of higher for longer. So, uh, as it stands right now, obviously we're looking for the 75 basis points. I don't believe they'll do 100. I think that if they did 100, people would uh, think that the Fed was panicking, that they were chasing inflation, so to speak. So I think they'll do 75. Uh, the, the market is estimating another 75 for the next meeting in November. And I think that's going to be an interesting meeting because along the way, we're going to get more inflation data. And it's very interesting. A lot of the inflation data has been coming down. So. Um, then, uh, excuse me, the market's looking for, uh, you know, between 50 and 25 basis points for the following two meetings. Bottom line is they think that they're going to end up at about four and a half percent sometime around March of 2023. So, you know, years are always different. This year, last year, everybody was a virologist with COVID. This year, everybody is now an economist, and I can't wait to find out what everybody morphs into next year. <laughs> well, that's what makes a market in some ways, right? Uh, the overshoots and the uh, speculative environment. And to your point, we have been on edge and, uh, uh, you know, a dynamic environment when you speak to, again, uh, some of the headline news and the impact it's had on the market here. Now, you mentioned how everybody uh, is now starting to realize again and understand that we're in a higher rate environment environment for a longer time. It's not just everybody realizing that per some of the uh, recent comments from Fed Chair Jerome Powell. And uh, to your point, I mean, the dollar has been realizing as well. A nice move up here in the overnight session, and it's hanging out right near these highs. I saw the index to a new high. Futures are uh, not far from one at 110.49 half. We're talking 110.50 just off the highs recently. We saw last week 110.78. The dollar's been amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's following interest rates higher. We we saw this week uh, new highs in the the two year and in the ten year, and the dollar is very strong. And you know, that's a good news bad news scenario. It's bad for our companies that ship products overseas, but it does help to keep commodity prices down. So that's a mixed bag, and uh, maybe that's one reason why. We have seen recently small caps sometimes doing a little better mm. than the large caps. If you look at the charts, you know, the 
the small caps uh, in the last week or so didn't break down uh, as much as some of the big caps did. So, you know, the, the dollar's a major issue. Um, obviously, what they do today is going to affect it. Tomorrow, you've got uh, the, the Bank of England, the Bank of Japan, and uh, they're raising rates around the world. So uh, maybe that will slow down the move of the dollar, but uh, the dollar looks like a runaway train right now. Sure does. And good point there and good eye in terms of noticing the Russell because we took note of this earlier in the show as well, or I'm sorry, earlier in the week as well. Here's a look at exactly what we was talking about, how the Russell was the only one of the four majors unable to take out the September lows in this most recent uh, drawdown that we've seen. Here you can see the ES taking out the September lows again in this move we looked at at the top of the show down to the 38, what was it again, 38.43 low that we saw. Here's the Dow taking out again. September lows got breached. These were new lows that we saw in reaction to that CPI number, and here you see it in the NASDAQ, but again, just coming full circle, here's the Russell holding up above that key level, so small caps faring pretty well, regional banks with rates on the rise. Uh, another visual to support your point there, here's the dollar on the left, Wayne, the TNX on the right, 3.6%. I mean, this is a significant headwind, as you mentioned, the dollar to uh, multinationals, for example, but uh, ultimately, I mean, uh, when we see rates on the rise like this, I mean, this is, uh, you know, a reflection of the Fed's initiatives here to slow growth, and we have seen some of that. We're going to talk a little bit later on uh, in the show about the impact that's having on housing, for example, right? I mean, we've seen it slowing there. Now, talk to me, though, because uh, crude oil spiking here, and when you're talking about inflation and some of the headwinds and uh, the, the, the uncharted territory that the Fed's been forced to navigate recently, I mean, crude's one of those factors to consider. And even this morning, again, as I mentioned, with the war on Ukraine intensifying, we've got crude inching its way back up again. So that factor... Uh, um, definitely a force to still be reckoned with. Yeah, it is. So WTI crude has been very interesting uh, for a little while. It's got tough resistance at the 90 area. Uh, there's price resistance there, and you've got important moving averages. So uh, the, the, chart, the chart is, you know, it dropped down to 82. It bounced off of there. So right now, I think it's trying to find a home. And, and what, what I've said is uh, I'd really like to see it stabilize in the uh, uh, around 92. And the reason for that is a little, little bit of selfishness. Um, we're long uh, uh, energy stocks. We're long, uh, you know, the, the uh, drillers here. And um, so and they bounce around with the price of oil. And uh, the drillers have really been you know, when we're looking at the market and, and uh, valuations on the market and what's happening with earnings per share projections, the energy sector has really been the one holding up earnings per share forecasts for the market. And uh, those have come down a lot. And even energy can only do so much because it's only 4.5% of the S&P 500 or so. But um, if, if energy prices do start to come down, that's going to speak towards more of a global recession, and it will hurt those stocks, the, the last man standing kind of thing, relative to what's been good in the market, which has been the energy stocks. And that would be very similar to what we saw back in 2008 and 2009, when energy was the last real sector before everything just completely rolled over.
Wayne, prices have come down. We're looking at them from 97.66 to 81.20, and we've been in a bit of a range. It looks like 90, the upper extreme, the lower extreme. Around this $81, $82 level. Wayne, you briefly mentioned uh, some of the other central bank activity this week uh, in terms of this trend that we've seen, higher rates, the uh, you know aggressive nature we've uh, experienced recently. It was uh, Rick's Bank earlier in the week, the full one-point rate hike. And uh, uh, ultimately, uh, you know, I've seen weakness in currencies, though, still, even though you've got the Bank of England expected to raise rates this week, 50, maybe a more aggressive stance with 75. I've heard some uh, expectations thereof. But look at the overnight activity in the currencies, the New Zealand dollar, the Aussie dollar, the British pound coming off. I mean, the Japanese yen ahead of the BOJ has been notoriously weak as well. I mean, interestingly enough, these other foreign currencies, again, bolster the U.S. dollar ultimately, but really kind of speak to this narrative where, uh, you know, whether you're talking about the rate differential, that safe haven type uh, uh, tendency the dollars benefited from, or, uh, you know, rates on the rise ultimately just outright, the TNX and the move we've been seeing there, uh, you know, uh, attracting attention to, uh, I mean, the dollar benefits across the board from all of this. We are still the safe haven. We are still the world's reserve currency, even though, uh, you know, people have been declaring that to be ending for, you know, the last 10 years or so. Our economy is, while it may start to uh, slow down, our economy is still the best economy that there is. So, uh, uh, and there's so much uh, global debt that's denominated, de denominated in U.S. currency. So uh, there's a lot of reasons for the dollar to, to remain very strong. There's, you know, you know again, it's, it's just uh, lower left to upper right on that chart, and it doesn't look like there's anything that's going to get in the way in the, in the short term. Sure is. The daily and, well, quick look at the weekly because you can see, again, uh, the trajectory here significantly. Uh, we're talking trend environment here, very well defined to the upside, significant move up here. Uh, just from, we're talking about the beginning of last year, around 89 up to 110. Hey, uh, Wayne, appreciate you joining us here. A solid breakdown. Thanks for Thanks sharing for part of a, a very busy Fed Wednesday morning with us here on the TD Ameritrade Network. Wayne Kaufman, Chief Market Analyst at Phoenix Financial Services. A quick